What's your fantasy football podcast? Fantasy rankings, fantasy projections, fantasy news, fantasy advice, all for your fantasy team. Fantasy football This fantasy football podcast is recorded and produced by your fantasy expert, Josh Anderson. What's your fantasy, your fantasy football team? Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Josh Anderson. I am your host for What's Your Fantasy Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, uh, his name is Justin Reidner. What's going on, buddy? Hey, man. How's it going? Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, uh, Justin's here to breathe a little bit of life into this podcast, so appreciate him being here. Um, it is Thursday, August 15th of 2019. We are about three weeks, actually, I think exactly three weeks from the uh, NFL opener. Um, getting excited. You guys are probably planning all of your um, all of your drafts here pretty soon. And so we're going to get into it here in a little bit, talk a little bit about fantasy and, um, you know, fantasy players give our uh, love-hate, um, some of the players that we love this year at their current ADP, some of the players that we hate at their current ADP. Um, we're probably going to debate. I'm sure we're not going to um, – probably not going to have the same conclusion on all these players. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. Finally got somebody to here to talk to um, rather than you guys just hearing about um, all of my opinions. We can kind of get a little debate going. So – um, so real quick, before we get into that, though, want to give a little backstory, let, talk to you guys about who this guy is, who this chump is across the table from me, um, talking about fantasy football with. Um, why don't you explain to the listeners who you are and how you came about to be on this po- podcast? Well, Josh, you've always been a good friend of mine. I think it was, what, junior year of high school or sophomore year? Sophomore year of high school, we transferred met. over. That's and, right. Uh, I think it was you were maybe a peer coach in one of our classes, and um, we ended up becoming friends, and we have very similar interests. And, and yeah, friends is a loose term, but okay, fair enough. And uh, <laughs> acquaintances would be a better word, maybe. But um, I remember we both played baseball, so that was a natural interest, and and we both had a lot of same interests, and kind of sparked from there, and been friends ever since. So, and that's it. Solid, yeah. Uh, pretty much summed it up perfectly. Yeah, we've been friends for you know quite a while. Played baseball together. Um, this will be our third year playing in the same um, fantasy football league. We actually were in two different fantasy leagues last year together. Um, I'm sure that he will um, talk about all of his accomplishments in those leagues. Um, uh, you know, eventually, if not right now, um, he's looking at me right now. Um, I think he wants to talk about him right now. Go ahead. It's I know actually. It's, I know. I can just tell that you're itching right now. I was actually going to pose a question to you. Do you mm-hmm. remember who won both of those leagues that we were in together? Uh, it kind of escapes me. I don't quite recall. The only thing I remember is that I um, suffered, you know, a little bit of injury bug on my team, and so that's um, what someone who didn't win the league would say. That is correct. Yes, that is very much so the case in most leagues. So always making excuses. It's never my fault. So. Um, yeah, congratulations to Justin. He did do a fantastic job in two of those leagues, uh, at least that I know of, that he played in last year, the two leagues that I was in there with him. Um, so, yeah, those were fun, though. We did I did enjoy myself in those leagues for the most part. 
Um, looking forward to playing him, with him again this year. So well, that's hopefully why, I'll well, get the best of him. We'll see. Well, that's why you brought me on. If I wouldn't have won the league, you probably would have been like, yeah, this guy doesn't know anything, right? Yes, indeed. This is the expert here. This is Thank why you. he's here. This is exactly why he's here. Uh, so, again, big thanks to him. Um, thank you for gracing us with your presence. All right. Well, since you have such a wealth of knowledge, I want to talk a little bit about, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here and really test your knowledge because um, I did not prompt, I'm going to tell the listeners real quick, I did not prompt um, Reiner here on um, a lot of all these topics that we're going to talk about. And so I want to talk real quick about how important it is just knowing your opponent or your opponents in fantasy football in the leagues that you're in. So how much do you think, how important do you think it is to know like kind of the temperature of the room that you're like, whether you're drafting the, you know, the waiver wire um, talking about trades, like how important is that in your eyes? I think it's crucial to be honest. And um, especially draft night, because I know one of the leagues we're in, um, there's a couple guys in those leagues that really they'll draft quarterbacks early or, you know, they'll draft, um, receivers high, which I'm not as high on early. Um, I'm a big running back guy early, but, um, I think draft night is crucial to know your room, know who's around you. And then I think it's also crucial on draft night, be prepared for whatever happens. You need, you need, you need to have mapped out several scenarios. So you're prepared when, Maybe something doesn't go exactly how you think it would. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Um, there have been plenty of times. I feel like the leagues that I'm in currently, um, people oftentimes, the big theme that I experience is that people get carried away, um, whether it be, like you mentioned earlier, like the league where people draft quarterbacks early. Um, that's one thing we experience in that league. It seems like both the years that – I've been in that league. We've experienced that. I anticipate seeing the same thing this this next year. Um, the auction league draft, um, action the the auction draft I'm going to be in this this uh, weekend. Um, that particular league, um, people love to run up the bid on players, and so they'll pay up big. Um, and you know, you, you can't really base your draft strategy off of proposed or projection what is it called i guess projected auction values because it's not even going to be anywhere close you know i'm trying to think of a good example saquon barkley it may say that he's supposed to go for 70 dollars estimated 70 dollars online and then he could go for 90 in our league like there's just no telling so um it's super super important to know you know the temperature of the room when you draft um i think it's also really really important to know like your opponents whether it be you know, trying to work out a trade. Um, I recall, I recall last season. Um, I remember I, there was a there was an opponent in one of our leagues that we played in who had a completely different view of a running back than I did. Uh, that was on my team, um, where I ranked that running back as like the third running back on my team. He ranked him as the first running back on my team, and so I was able to work out a trade with that person because. I was, you know, because he valued that running back so much. And so my message to you guys, um, the reason that I bring this up is that I had a friend who texted me the other day and he was giving me a hard time because I had just released an episode about players I love. Um, and he just so happens to be in my auction draft this week. And he's, he said, oh, you're so dumb. Like, you know what I'm going to do now? Now I'm just going to run up the bid on those players, uh, which he had a good point. He could possibly run up the bid on those players uh, because he knows that I love those players. And so 
my message to you guys is that if you all if you can't if you if you can't help it um if you can help it rather don't let people know how much you value some of your players because they may value them differently and they may use that knowledge against you and so um i think one of the best things you can do is try to acquire as much information um from your opponents and give away as as little information from you know what you actually think about your own team and their team as you can i will only thing i'll chime in on that is we do for the one league we're in we do a um it's we've done a live draft in the past this past year we did a live draft but we had our computers so it's online but there can be some head games played at the draft. Absolutely. I mean, I think, um, and I think you would be silly to to not not at least throw some names out there just to get guys thinking because you may have heard a name you read somewhere. You're not very high on them, but maybe you've just thrown a name out and someone's like, "Oh well, maybe they read something I didn't," and now they're high on. They're like, "Well, maybe I need to reach and get this guy." You know. So I think that is is and there's those draft people too who don't make a noise they just sit there in like stone cold silence so those That's people me. are all yeah <laughs> ah. to a certain extent i am not going to i'm not going to give away any information that i think could be useful to somebody that's also drafting um now what i will do though is i may make a comment about a certain player or ask even i'll even ask somebody a, a straight up question about what they think about a certain player just to see what somebody else says, just so I know how they feel about that player, because they may be drafting. Um, they may be in a spot where they draft, they're drafting before me or right behind me even. Um, and that may impact how I draft. So if I don't have, if I, if I feel like they're not going to take player X, then I may be able to wait one round and grab that player in the next round potentially. So um, very, very important knowing how your opponents think. That is something that's very, very oftentimes, doing um i guess you know you mentioned something earlier reiner about how you um can sometimes 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 somebody can give you some sort of information and it may change your opinion on a player um you know and that's that kind of goes back to what i said in the previous podcast and that's you know make sure you guys are always listening but don't always listen to everything you hear. You know, you like hear everything out, but you don't necessarily need to apply everything you hear. So, um, you know, because, and that's not to um, say that what you're saying was wrong. What I mean is you need to hear everybody out and just see what everybody says because that may have some sort of impact on how you draft. I think for us, we go into it with a plan in mind, and I think we've probably done enough mock drafts and uh, probably mapped out enough what we're going for, whether it's best player available or a specific position or where we're drafting quarterbacks, yada, yada. I think we've mapped out enough that we can kind of block out the noise. Do If someone says a player that maybe you're like, huh, I didn't think of him, or, you know, do you actually do you go look at the guy maybe if it's an online draft, or, or what do you do for that? Do you do anything? Let's say someone brings up a, a guy that you're not 100% sure on. Do you go look at them at least, or are you just totally in your zone? That I may, I may. It depends on the uh, the proximity of the draft. If it's right before the draft, I've already made up my mind about players, you know, because I, I already have my strategy in mind. 
I've already thought about all the possibilities, you know, and I'm thinking about who I'm drafting and like if that doesn't work out, who am I drafting in place of that player? And if that doesn't work out, who am I? What's my plan after that? So I've already got my plan B, C, and D already in line just in case. So I'm, you know, it's I'm seldom ever going to now. That does I'm not saying like sometimes things just happen, um, and I'm not going to um, name any names. But sometimes there have been times in the past where you know I thought a draft was going to go a certain way. Um, I'm going to be extremely vague here, but I, well. I had a I, I had an experience where I thought I was going to draft in a certain position. It turned out I wasn't drafting in that position, and so um, that completely kind of changed my game plan. Neither here nor there. It's whatever, um, you know. But that's just goes to show you, like sometimes you got to expect the unexpected, and so um, that's a perfect example of like sometimes you have to kind of plan for things you don't think are even in the realm of possibility. So um, in that particular situation. Um, I kind of felt like my hand was forced to grab a certain player and then that completely impacted the rest of my draft. Answer this question. Sure. I think in our league that a little more competitive, um, the one we do for money, Mm -hmm. I think there's probably, I think we would agree five to six solid players. And then there's three or four that are probably, you know, you look forward to playing them, or they're after draft night. You're they're happy. You're maybe give them a chuckle. I agree. Yes. Tell me, out of those five or six guys that are probably respected within the league, tell me how this comment makes you feel. You draft a guy, and maybe one or two of those guys says, "Man, I really liked him," or "That's who I was going to get." Maybe they're drafting right after you, or maybe it's two picks after you. Does that comment? Because sometimes if it's a respected fantasy footballer like yourself or there's a couple other guys in our league that I respect their opinion, they're always near the top. Um, I'm like, wow, maybe that was a good pick. You know, I picked them for a reason, obviously, but um, sometimes that just helps verify. Does that comment ever weigh on you or is it kind of just? I don't really think much about it. Um, What I will say is this. If I think it is a genuine comment, um, if I can kind of verify that, then – I'll tell you the first thing I'm thinking is I'm going to make a little note of that because I because that means they may be interested in that player in the future and that may be a potential trade. So I know that's not what you're kind of getting at, but that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind for me. But I also will mention this: people like to play head games, and so um, you know this reminds me of this reminds me of when we play poker together. So me and for the listeners that don't know about this. I, uh, me and Reiner and a couple others get to play, get together and play poker every now and then. And we will, um, you know, there is quite a bit of table talk that occurs. And so, um, you know, there are oftentimes where, you know, somebody will say, Oh, good move or Hey, Oh, good call. When they actually don't mean that, what they're actually saying is, I hope you do that in the future because it won't work out for you in the future. So, um, so I, I don't really trust anybody in fantasy drafts, but you know, you know, most uh, most leagues out there are probably pretty casual unless there's a lot of money on the line. Um, but, you know, if it's genuine, then yes, I am. Uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, at the times that I've experienced that, yes, I feel a little more, um, what's the word? Verification, maybe? I guess, yeah, I feel a little more validated that I've made the right, the right move. Um, but also, more than anything, I'm looking at that situation and I'm saying, like, this could be a potential trade in the future if I get in that position. So, um, so speaking of drafts, we're going to talk a little bit about 
different kinds of drafts and how we can use what general strategy we're using to approach those certain drafts. So the first one, uh, the most obvious one and the most common one um, is the snake draft. And so you guys, if you guys know anything about fantasy football, you probably know what the snake draft is. Snake draft is um, you pretty much are picking in order. Um, you go, you know, all the way from what, depending on what the amount of teams that are in that league, um, you know, you start at one and whoever has the number one pick picks whoever they want two picks whoever they want the next uh next pick and so you um you kind of keep going and uh you know and so um it just it wraps around at pick 10 if there's 10 teams and pick team 10 will pick for the 11th pick and then it'll wrap around and it'll keep wrapping around the entire time kind of like a snake would um so my question to you Reiner, is how does your draft strategy for this particular year, um, completely redraft league. So there's no keepers in this league. Um, let's say that you have an early pick in the draft. How are you approaching this draft? I'm always under the um, – let's say I have a top – you're saying top four pick, maybe top five pick, or just in general. I'm going to say, yes, yeah, a top four pick. I am a big believer, and I didn't always go this way. I used to maybe just go best player available. Now I am, and I think a lot of people draft this way, but maybe not everybody, but I'm huge on running backs, especially solidified number ones. Last year when I won the league, um, I took Saquon Barkley in the first round. And then um, my keeper, which we're not talking about keeper, but is Christian McCaffrey. And those guys are solid number ones, able to win the league when I had average to good receivers but no studs so I think running backs early and often and I almost think the first two rounds if you can get somebody you like you got to get a running back because the receiver pool is is always so deep especially with uh, how many teams are throwing nowadays that's true the wide receiver pool is pretty deep I will this is what I will ask you are you drafting is that is that are you trying to draft two running backs in the two the first two rounds regardless if you're drafting in the first four picks or in the last four picks? First round, probably no matter what. Um, I think there's enough good backs that you can get somebody you like in the first round. The end of the – which if I was drafting at the end of the first, I would be at the beginning of the second. So, to be honest with you, I'd probably – I probably would go another running back unless there was just a receiver that I was high on that that fell. Um, Running back would would be – because I think if you look at it this way, if you go to the end of round three, comparing the running backs to the receivers in that round, which is if you were picking at the end of round one, no comparison. You're getting a running back that's probably splitting carries that you're probably reaching on and hoping to hit. Whereas a receiver in round three, you could still be getting a number one guy. You could get a guy that has had good numbers. And then beginning of round four, you get another receiver that, is very close to that. And you have two solid receivers. So that's kind of the way I look at it, especially if I'm drafting at the end of the first round. Um, I, I'm just so big on running backs, especially after what happened to me last year. And sure. So what what is your strategy? I mean, I get, let's just, let's say you're picking uh, pick three. Um, and let's say two running backs have gone. 
Um, and then you're obviously picking at the end of the second round. What's your strategy on that? Because we've talked about how crucial the first two rounds are. Right. So I'd like to hear your strategy. Yeah, I agree. The two first rounds are absolutely vital. you got to hit on those two, two first picks. Um, I'll say this. I'm going to say this now. I'm going to say it plenty more times the rest of the, you know, uh, these next three weeks. If you, you can, you can, you're not going to necessarily win your league in the first two rounds, but you can certainly lose it. Um, which is why these are these two picks are just so so important. I, I think first off, it it does. I think it's very very important to clarify whether it's standard or not or standard. Well, let me say that. Let me pitch it this way: Is it PPR or is it not PPR? Because I think that has a really really big impact on how I'm going to approach the draft. Um, if it's if it's not PPR, then I'm more inclined to go running back running back. However. You know, nowadays it feels like there's more and more PPR leagues, um, you know, just because there is such a big difference between the production of the number one running back in fantasy and the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Um, so with that being said, um, if I'm doing PPR, I think it really depends. I think if I had the third pick in the draft, um, third overall pick, I'm probably going I'm going running back for sure. I'm definitely going running back. If I got the top one of the top four picks – even the, one of the top five picks, I'm probably going running back. Um, and I'm probably going to pick a receiver in the second round because, you know, I think that there are still – there are a lot of good receivers there in the third and fourth rounds. Because, But but I, I think that it starts to get a little murky there. Um, there's just uh, there's some question marks. There's plenty of upside, but there's a lot of question marks um, when you get down to those rounds. I think if I'm – so on the whole – I think on the whole, I I would like to go running back wide receiver if I'm drafting early in the first round. I don't hate your strategy at all. Um, what, let's say it's a standard league, no PPR. What, what's your strategy there? Best player available, end of second or? It's probably still going to be running back wide receiver, just because um, the main reason for me, and this this is, it depends on the year, but this particular year after I've done plenty, I've done. I don't know how many mock drafts at this point. I like a lot of the guys that are going at the end of the second round. Wide receivers, Receiver that is. Receiver-wise? Yes. So I feel like there are, you know, that tier. I think the tier of that tier one of wide receivers, I think it's bigger than people think. Um, there's probably like – I would argue that there's probably eight or nine receivers going in the first two rounds that have the ability to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. So um, I feel like the running backs – that first tier running backs, there's only five running backs I can think of, in my opinion, that had the ability to be the number one running back in fantasy this year. So if I'm drafting at the end of the first round, I think, let's just say, for instance, let's say I'm, there's it's a 10-team league and I have either the ninth or 10th pick in the draft. I think I'm probably going receiver-receiver. Um, Is this the, in PPR or standard? Doesn't probably matter. either. Okay. Probably both. Um, and here's why. Um, let's just say let's say it's PPR. Um, PPR, like I think it kind of goes without saying, like they're going to accumulate more points because they're going to be catching the ball more than the receivers. Um, but also, you know, at that point, you're, if you're drafting two running backs, those two running backs, unless somebody just, you know, unless you have an, a Le'Veon Bell and a David Johnson or a Todd Gurley there that you can snag back to back then um you know i think you know and even those guys have question marks all the guys at the end of the first round running back wise 
I think they have question marks with them. And so, you know, if I'm, I, I don't like picking two, two running backs at the, you know, at the turn at the end of the first round, because they have question, if they have question marks, um, I think that it is safe to say that the wide receivers that I'd be taking in the third and fourth rounds, they'll probably have question marks as well. And so I think that I would feel better about grabbing two wide receivers at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round that I know are going to give me production because um, I just think that there's going to be less, there's less question that they're going to get their points. Does that make sense? Yes. Let me, let me throw a scenario at you. Sure. You talked about the top five backs. I think I know who those are. Let's say DeAndre Hopkins goes six. Mm -hmm. Let's say Devontae Adams goes seven. Mm -hmm. Let's say Le'Veon Bell goes eight. Okay. Sounds accurate. Let's say you're picking nine. Okay. What two players are you picking from this pool of four? Is David Johnson gone? David Johnson's gone. He's in the top five. Um, Let me throw four guys at you. James Conner. Michael Thomas, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham. I'm probably going Julio and Odell Beckham. Really? Yes. Because I feel like those are two wide receivers that have the ability. That I, I have a lot of confidence that they're going to be top five by the end of the season. And so I think that they had the ability to be – either one of them has the ability to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. And so I'd feel more comfortable taking those two guys and then, you know, in the third and fourth rounds – finding some running backs that have the ability to be top 10, you know, maybe there's some question marks with them, but at least, at least my two first, two first picks, there aren't question marks around them. So you think about it. What if, I mean, this is just a scenario that I'm thinking about off the top of my head, but what if, um, you know, I think I've seen a mock draft where this has happened, where a team picked James Conner and Joe Mixon, two really good players, two talented players, but, I don't feel like those two players. I wouldn't feel confident confident being those those being my RB one and RB two going into the season, knowing that I may have to take a chance on an Amari Cooper or and an Adam Thielen in round three rounds three and four. The four players you just said, I don't hate. I don't hate. I don't necessarily hate those players. And can I can I give you my reasoning? Sure, go ahead. The re- James Conner. Prolific offense. I know Antonio Brown's gone. They're still going to score. Big Ben, Juju. I think Vance McDonald's got a chance to have a really good year. That offense is going to score. And James Conner is is a great pass catcher out of the backfield. He's a good player. Yeah, for sure. But there's a lot of talk about Jalen Samuels. Yeah, they always do that this time of year, though. And you know the bell cow is going to be Conner. The next guy you said was Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. also a solidified number one running back. While you may not view them as RB1s, like great RB1s, the, I think those are both very good RB1s, not the great you're talking about. And those are the guys that are going to be in there every week giving you between 12 and a standard, let's go standard league, between probably 12 and 20 points. And they're not going to lose you a week. If you if you go down to where what you were talking about the you get you have to draft a Marlon Mack or a Devontae Freeman, you're you're going to be saying you're not going to love their matchup every week. Whereas, you're right. Whereas, I'm going to be I'm going to be praying. Yeah, Connor yeah. Connor and Mixon, you're putting them in and you're not taking them out. Yeah. But 
back to my point, your receivers also, you're leaving them in and not taking them out. I just think re- receiver matchups are a little easier to predict. See, I would actually disagree. I would say that running back matchups are easier to predict. I would say wide receiver matchups are – let me put it this way. I think running back matchups week to week are easier to predict. I think that um, – I think r- projecting a running back season long is more difficult. I think projecting wide receiver points for a whole year is much easier than projecting uh, wide receiver points for one singular game. So I think that's why people, I think that's why the whole zero running back strategy came all about. So I think that's why that all started. Let's I say you, let's say you go receiver receiver, like you said, your running backs to pick from, according to ADP, which is average draft position, you're picking probably between Marlon Mack, Devontae Freeman, possibly Josh Jacobs, even though I could see somebody reaching for him early, Derrick Henry, and maybe a Chris Carson. I agree, yeah. Uh, while those guys, some of them are going to have good weeks and they're gonna, you're going to look like a genius starting them, there's going to be some weeks that I think those guys could lose you games. You're absolutely right. I guess this is what I'm thinking. Okay, so the first two rounds, we talked about this earlier. We talked about how you got to nail those first two picks, right? right? And I'm not saying you're not going to nail those two first picks by picking Mixon and or James Conner. However, I think that it is my personal strategy moving forward for for snake drafts is my goal is to be very, very risk-averse in rounds one and two because of that reason. There have been too many times where I have whiffed on my first and second round pick that I'm just not going to do it anymore. And so, like, I'm picking guys that have no no, none, no, to little risk. Let me ask you this. Is there any risk with Julio Jones? Yes. In my opinion. Explain. Injury. Well, yeah, but you can't – well, there's also – there's always risk with injury. But I'm talking about – Well, some guys – Do you yeah, anticipate his role changing in the offense? I, I think the Falcons will have a good year. Um, his touchdown rate is still bothers me a little bit. Here's my thing. Okay, so running backs, but you're but you're dra- ba- you're drafting him in the top ten. So right, the risk he's going to be a he's going to be a great player. Uh, his injuries bother me. Here's the question: How likely do you think it is that he doesn't perform like a round one player? Like a, a round one selection. What's what's that the, he doesn't? Yeah. What are the chances? You think it's very likely? I'd put it as moderate. What I is mean, more I likely to happen? Do you think it's more likely that Joe Mixon? Let's see. Let's see. I think it's more likely that you're at the end of the year saying Julio didn't perform like a uh, first round than he did. That's okay. what I would say. Okay. So let me, let me ask you this. Let me see if I can word this the right way. What's more likely to happen? Uh, Joe Mixon doesn't perform like a round one selection or Julio Jones doesn't perform like a round one selection? What's more likely to happen? Probably Joe Mixon, but... Okay, that's exactly... that's that. But See, that is my point, is like I'm risk-averse in the first two rounds. So, like, I'm going Julio Jones because I know he's going to get me points. Like, you know, the thing with Joe Mixon is he's on a bad team. He's not all that involved in the passing game. Um, and so I think there... There are there are multiple ways where I could see Joe Mixon not getting his fantasy points. I don't see many scenarios where Julio Jones doesn't get his fantasy points. And so 
that's my strategy with that. And so I I don't begrudge anybody that uh, that takes Joe Mixon and James Conner at the end of the first round, beginning of the second. Um, but if I'm being honest, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of uh, just last year. I remember there were people that were taking Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook at the end of the first and the beginning of the second. And so, you know, I'm not saying like I, I'm not you know, and I, you can't let recency bias come into play too much, you know. Like that could that totally could have worked out, you know, great for the for those teams that did that. But you know, I'm not I mean, saying this is 100 percent applicable. I'm just saying like, you know, I'm just risk averse. I'm trying to get two players in the first two rounds that are going to make up for somewhere between 30 and 40 percent of my points every week. All right, I did two ADP teams. If me and you are picking at the end of the first round, you ready? And then okay. we can move on from this. Sure. Your team, you said Julio Jones and Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Your two running backs around the ADP of end of round three, beginning of round four. I'm giving you Devonte Freeman and Marlon Mack. Those are two guys that are around that okay. that area. I'm, I'm going. I'll stick with Mixon and Connor. And the two receivers are around end of round three, four. Thielen and T.Y. Hilton. Okay. Your team looks much sexier than mine with those two stud receivers. You think so? I think so. I like my chances better. Okay. Because of the running backs. I don't think right. th- I, I think Thielen could match Beckham or Jones on a given week. Absolutely. Mick Mixon sure. and Connor eight out of ten times are gonna outscore Freeman and Mack. I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I see your point. I, this is my thoughts on just the receiver pool being so much deeper. Yeah, I think you definitely have a good point there. I uh, I think that, you know, I guess my logic is, you know, if I grab – let's say I grab two wide receivers in the first first round, first two rounds rather. Like I grab a running back in the third, a running back in the fourth. And let's say I grab a running back in the fifth. Um, I think my chances of finding – Somebody, you know, but aren't your chances of finding a somebody at receiver better odds? I think that's a yes, and here's why. But you got to find an edge somewhere because. But I think it's but just, when the first tier of running backs is gone, you got to find an edge somewhere. Like you're not going to have well, better running backs. Not not if you get two good ones in the first tier, <laughs> right? Hmm. Uh, are you saying that Joe Mixon and James Conner are in the first tier? They're in the first 12 picks, 14 picks. So I, maybe I would that's argue not that the they're first not tier. in the first tier. So we spent a lot of time on this topic. All We've right, got to move on. Okay. We could talk about this all night. All right, moving on. So the next um, type of uh, auction, or excuse me, the next type of, type of draft that we want to talk about is auction drafts. So um, auction – uh, really, every time I do a snake draft, I, I I mean, they're fun. Snake drafts are fun also, but auctions, I feel like it's playing chess compared to checkers. Like, I um, really, really do prefer auction. For our listeners that don't know what auction draft is, auction is um, usually the format that it works in is you have a $200 budget, um, not real money, but you have a $200 budget of fake money, and you have to spend that money on the, uh, certain players. So the way it works is, let's say Reiner has the first uh, quote-unquote pick. So um, he doesn't really have a pick. What he has is he gets the first nomination. So he can nominate a player, 
Um, and then we all, everybody in the league has an opportunity to make a bid on that player. And so it's not silent auction. Um, although that would be very, very interesting. Um, you know, I can, if he, he, he's basically bidding a dollar on that player when he nominates them. So he bids a dollar, then I can come and I can say, Oh, well, I'll, I'll bid $2. And then somebody else bids $3 and then he can come back and say, I bid four. And then if somebody really wants to, they can come out and they can, they can bid 20 if they want to. So, um, that's how an auction draft works. Um, the way that it, that picks are really just kind of replaced by nominations and then people start to bid on these. Um, Reiner, have you ever had the pleasure of playing in an auction draft yet? Not like a real one. I've I've done mock uh, drafts that are auction style, and I've actually really enjoyed them. The problem with the mock is you get guys that necessarily aren't realistic. That's correct. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, you you, d- you never know what you're going to get with a mock draft. I can't tell you how many times I've had a troll um, in a mock draft and completely ruin the draft. So um, sometimes they're not realistic. Uh, because they know they're not going to have to play with that team and there's no money on the line, um, you know, and there's just nothing on the line for them. But um, in, a, in an actual auction draft, um, the ones that I've experienced in the past, they can get very, very interesting. Interestingly enough, I actually started out on auction draft, on an auction draft format. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't start with snake draft when I first started playing fa- playing fantasy football. I actually started with auction. Uh, talk about a very, very sharp learning curve. Even though mock drafts in auction format can be, you know, kind of touch and go, sometimes they don't always um, have – it don't really indicate how a real draft is going to go. Um, I do recommend doing some before or having at least a good idea of what your plan is going into the draft. You need to know exactly what you're going to do because things can get very out of hand very, very quickly if you don't know what to expect. Are you a guy in an auction draft who – when it's your turn to nominate a player, do you pick a stud guy to throw out there? Maybe a guy you're not interested in, and I mean, you may not have to share your strategy if that's if you don't want to. But yeah, the people that are uh, that I'm, I'm doing this auction draft with, they're probably listening to this this podcast, so they're going to get my strategies. But no, actually, I'm just kidding. No, it, it honestly, it's not going to have any. Um, that won't impact any of my advice that I'm going to give you guys because I don't think that it's they're going to be able to apply it, and this is why. There are going to be players that I nominate in this draft that I am okay with getting outbid on because, in theory, if I can run everybody else out of money, then they're going to be there's going to, I'm going to have plenty of money to get the the players that I want. On the flip side of that, that is also that could be a very dangerous strategy. Because let's say um, that everybody else has the same idea as I do, and they say that there are there's there's a top tier of running backs, and there's five, four or five of them. Let's say all but one of those running backs is gone. Now, um, so let's say that, or let me let me back up. Actually, let's say that the first four running backs that were taken, um, maybe they. Um, let's say the best, let's say the best of those four were taken. Okay. So they were nominated. Um, they were drafted and people, people bid on them. And let's say they went right at auction price, right at their estimated auction value. Because that last, because there's one more left and people know that people may have to, people may drive the bid up on that last player because they know that they, they want that top tier running back. And so they know, and they know that that's the only one left. So, you have to be very, very careful about running p- people out of money because um, 
because you, when you do that, then you may have to um, then you may actually be running the price up on a certain play that you want later on. So, um, so maybe a better way to look at it is this: like the first round talents, you know, the first cons- first round consensus players. Um, everybody's going to get try to get at least one of those guys, and so if it's you and another guy that that don't have anybody on your team, everybody else has a first round guy, quote unquote first round guy. Um, then you may be in a bidding war with that that one one other player, and you you guys may pay way more than you should pay for that player. So, this is my strategy. Sorry, went off the rails a little bit, but here's my strategy. I'm bidding. I'm I'm nominating players that I'm okay with getting outbid on, but I'm also probably going to throw in some players that I hope um, I can get because, you know, let's say I nominate. Christian McCaffrey. Let's say I round, let's say I nominate him first, the first pick of the draft. There might be some league managers that say, um, or not league managers, but um, but team managers that say, well, I don't have to, I don't have to get this guy, I don't have to get this running back because there's still Alvin Kamara, there's still Saquon Barkley, there's still David Johnson, there's still Ezekiel Elliott, and I'll just get one of those guys, and maybe I don't have to pay as much as I am here. And so sometimes, like, people can be timid. And they don't make a they don't make a bid on a player because they know that there's somebody else and they can fall back on. So, so to, to answer your question, I'm nominating players that I I'm okay with getting outbid on, but I'm also going to nominate some players. I'm going to sprinkle some in there where I actually do want them, and I'm trying to get them at a discount. The last thing I'll say about auction is I think you have to be okay overpaying for a guy you want. You got to go get your guy. I mean, if there's a couple guys you zeroed in on, you got to know that someone else is probably zeroed in on them as well. You have to be okay just overspending sometimes. I mean, especially if it's a position of need. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, probably my best advice to give you guys, if you two things, if you're doing an auction draft for the first time, um, these are just very crash course things. Don't be afraid to spend your money. Spend Every dollar you have. The worst thing that you could do is be at the very end of the draft and you have $9 left because then you say to yourself, well, shoot, like when I got outbid that one time, when somebody outbid me on whoever it is, Leonard Fournette, you say like, oh, well, I could have got him if I had just paid a couple extra dollars. So um, make sure you spend all your money. Make sure you spend all your money. And then the second thing I would I would tell you, don't be a price enforcer. Chances are there's probably going to be a price enforcer in your league already. Let them be the price enforcer. Don't ever make a bid on a player that you're not okay rostering. All right, so the next uh, next type of draft we have, and this will be very, very short, um, but an offline draft. Okay, so just like a snake draft or just like an auction draft, um, but you do it in person. Everybody's in the same location. Um, the reason that I kind of like this, at least for snake drafts, is because you can get a better idea of what players um, – you get a better idea of what teams already have, okay? So um, it was a couple of years ago we did a, a live draft at um, a restaurant where we actually had a, a draft board, and so all the positions were color-coded. And so you could see what teams had a tight end already, what teams had a quarterback already. And so that was really, really helpful because you kind of had a better idea um, of – what teams were going to do round to round. And so you can still see that on online drafts, but 
I think it's a little bit easier when you have a draft board and you're in person. Two things that I want to talk about offline, and then I'll be done on this topic. One, I think you tell who is really prepared for the draft on an offline because you bring your computer, you have notes and stuff. And the people who are not prepared, you can tell. The second thing I'll say is, while, yes, it's similar to online, the the good thing about offline is you can – it's easier to see who's picking maybe two picks ahead of you. If they already have a quarterback and there's a quarterback you really want, it's easier to say, okay, I don't have to worry about it. I can maybe go get this quarterback. I don't have to stress. I can maybe take a running back here because the guy – Four guys after me have a quarterback, and yada yada. Or maybe, maybe, you're, maybe it's an early round, three or four, third or fourth round. They've both taken running backs early. You know, there's probably going to be a receiver, maybe, or a running back available for you. So that's kind of why, I like, I can map everything out a little bit easier by just seeing it. Does that make sense? It does. It does. To your first point, um, yeah, the in-person draft it could be very, very indicating to as to like what you're dealing with in your league, um, because you know. Somebody, somebody who, I mean, if you observe like one of the team managers comes in uh, to a you know live draft party and you know they have their Excel sheet or a notebook or you know whatever, uh, looks like they're prepared, um, as opposed to they come in with a tank top on with their bottle opener and they're sunburnt. You know they obviously are drunk. Uh, you know they're probably going to draft a little bit differently. So. Um, so yes, like that's the one big advantage. I mean, for me, that's the one advantage that comes to mind for me for, um, offline drafts and what we mentioned earlier, just like you acquire more information cause you're in person. Totally agree. So moving on to keeper, uh, keeper leagues. So, um, I don't recommend being in a keeper league if you're just starting out playing fantasy football. Um, you know, unless it's just a kind of a casual league and there's no money on the line. Uh, but keeper leagues. Um, usually the way they work, um, if it's a snake draft, at least the ones that I've experienced is if it's a snake draft, then you, um, depending on where you drafted that player the prior year, um, you get to keep them in that same draft spot the following year. Um, if it's an auction draft, then you get to keep that same player for the same value the following year, or, um, you have to increase the price that you took them at the previous year. So we are in a league together, me and Reiner are, uh, where it's a snake draft, and you, um, like I said, you you keep the you can keep a player, but you lose out on that draft pick the following year. I am a little bit torn on the keeper league, mainly because I think a guy can luck into a free agent. Because let's say a a guy's not doing well, and they're at the bottom, so they're at the top of the waiver order, and they get a running back that everybody wanted but because they're having a bad season they get a, a running back that ends up being a, a good running back and now the way we do it in our league well th- they get to keep them pretty much and, and then they lose their last round pick so that's the only reason that I think keeper bothers me a little bit they're not really getting rewarded for drafting a good player they got lucky because their team was terrible and they were at the top of the waiver order what are your thoughts on that well I think every league works differently so like I've heard of leagues where if you if you did not draft them, then you cannot keep them. And so there are also some leagues where if you just put in a waiver claim for them and pick them up, then you get to keep them at a very, very discounted rate. So, um, you know, I think it, either way, it, it, it's in a keeper league, it's all that much more important to play the waiver wire. And you got to pay attention. You got to, like, pay attention to the games and see who's emerging 
see who has a chance to emerge. See, like, and you, you got to like be out on, you know, in front of things. And so you got to be thinking about things. You got to be very, very forward thinking, because um, otherwise you may miss out on a guy. So I mean, it wasn't that long ago that a couple seasons ago. Um, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll use the most relevant one. Alvin Kamara was a perfect example. He was drafted into my auction auction draft league for one dollar, and so there's somebody that's keeping him for. Um, he kept him for six dollars last year. He's keeping him for eleven dollars this year. Um, he's gonna get him for the entire entirety of his his career. Yeah, see, that's that's why I'm not always sold on the keeper leagues. Yeah, I see there's some benefits to it, and I've lucked into it before too. So I'm complaining about something that's benefited me. Um, but the keeper style, just I'm not a huge fan of. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's like I said, it's benefited me. I think for me, as far as like the, the waiver order and like getting a guy out of free agents, I have two points. One, I think the next year that guy should be taken away for maybe his ADP or um, maybe that, maybe you change your waiver order and make it to where they have to, maybe it's an auction style. I think, yeah, I think that's almost a separate issue. I love like the auction issue. style. I think that's almost a separate issue. Yeah, like, you're right. Let's not get into that. Oh, no, we can talk about it real quick. Okay. The only thing I'll say about it is, like, wave, like waiver wire um, ads, I feel like you. I feel like the best way to do it is having a waiver budget. And so just like auction, uh, just like an auction draft, you have a wager, waiver budget, and that way you can actually bid on players. And, and that is a silent auction. And so, like, you just, you know. You don't know how much everybody else's bid, so you're exactly. taking a shot in the dark. And you only have, like, what, $100, I think, is what they normally Correct. do. So if you spend it all in the first week, you know, it, you better, you better, it better the, be somebody that's a stud. The last thing I'll say about the Keeper League, and this is one thing that, that also bothers me, is uh, sometimes you may, let's say, for I think, for example, it was Jordy Nelson a couple years ago when he was having good years with the Packers, um, maybe got hurt in preseason, ACL, something was out for the year. And someone drafted him and kept him on their roster. We didn't have a, a um, an injured spot at that time. And just it took a roster spot all year just so he could keep him next year for the keeper. So he lost his 14th round pick, last round pick in our, in our league we're in for a guy that never played it, never played it down the entire season. So that's another thing that I think that's why I'm not a huge fan of the keeper. Yeah, I think that's all the more reason to make sure that if you're a league manager, don't have too big of a bench. Like, if, if, if don't don't provide a too big of a bench for your, um, you know, for your for your your league because otherwise things like that will happen. If you are in a keeper league, that is. All right, well, let's talk about some players. What do you say? Love it. All right, let's do it. You love it. Let's love talk it. about. Um, let's talk about. Give me a player that you love in 2019. I'm going with a guy that I think probably makes people a little nervous because of the way the season ended last year. But if he's there, I'm taking him, and I'm taking him early. Todd Gurley. I think Todd Gurley is getting a little bit of slack because of his knee injury from last year. And and granted, so he wasn't 100% healthy. And um, was it Anderson? C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson ended up really exploding in the playoffs. I'm high on Todd Gurley. I think that offense is still going to be prolific. The, the the defenses in their division with the 49ers, the Seahawks are not what they used to be. 
I think that division, and they're always going to play in good weather. You know, I think that's a factor for me. Todd Gurley is a guy that I'm that I think is dropping down some drafts, but I, I'm incredibly high on him. He definitely has the ability to be still a top five running back, um, maybe even better. You know, I think what's people what people are most concerned about is just the usage, and so. Um, you know, ESPN analyst Matthew Barry, he said something the other day. It was a really, really good point. Um, you know, he said, you know, hey, all touches aren't created equal, you know, and that really is true. I mean, when you think about it, um, you know, you think about some of these players that have been good players, but they've been on bad teams or bad offenses. You know, David Johnson was a perfect example last year. You know, imagine David Johnson on the Steelers or on the Rams or – you know, with some other – on the Saints, like a good offense, you know, it would be a completely different story for him. Um, you know, Todd Gurley, he's on a great team. And he's on a good offense. So, um, you know, I think that he's not going to be used like a work, workhorse back like he has been in the in the past. Um, but the truth is we really just don't know. And so I think people are just – you know, they're taking this approach where they don't know. And he's he is risky because – there's just some, some uncertainty there because they don't know we don't know how they're going to use them. But we talked about this earlier with the injuries. Julio Jones, Odell Beckham's had injuries as well. And running back, granted, running back, you know, careers are, are much shorter than receiver. But before the knee injury, the dude was, I mean, he was the number one tailback, and I'm not sure if it was close. I mean, he was, I mean, he was legit winning people weeks. If they are the rest of their team was having bad weeks. I, I don't see I don't think there's gonna I understand your usage point. I think when it comes down to it, if he's healthy, he's a he's a top three back. Absolutely. But are you talking about talent wise or fantasy wise? Fantasy. Talent wise I means he not top three fan talent talent. Absolutely, wise? yeah. I'm saying I don't know if he's gonna be I mean he may not be a top top five fantasy think about the first back just because think about we the don't first. know how the Rams are going to use them. Yeah, but think, think about uh, – let's say he's healthy. Think about the first 13 or 14 games last year before he tweaked the knee. If you follow them in training camp right now, then you'll see that they are treating him um, – they're being very, very cautious with him. Yeah, but wouldn't so you? I, I believe he is healthy. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no, I think he – and I think he's healthy, but – could you not see a scenario? Um, I'm not saying this is likely, but I think it's within the realm of possibility. Could you not see a scenario where, you know, they really manage manage him like almost as if you know he's on a pitch count? So, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a couple years ago when Marshawn Lynch, uh, you know, his first year with the Raiders. You know, it wasn't until week eight that they really, really unleashed him. You know, they kind of, you know, they didn't really tell that. They didn't tell anybody. They didn't really. You know, they didn't really, um, they didn't advertise this. They just, they just, you know, limited his touches. And then in week eight, you know, they kind of unleashed him and let him just, you know, they gave him twenty touches a game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I drafted him in a league that year and ended up trading him before week eight. So that was a little frustrating. But yeah, I mean, I, I see your point. You know, I, I could see him putting him on a pitch count, kind of like your reference, which I like that baseball reference. Nice, nice call there. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> But at the end of the day, I, I look at his talent. I look mm-hmm. at the running back pool, I d- and I look at the offense. And nine times out of ten, I'm going to take a good offense over a bad one. Right. 
I think it's still within the realm of possibility that I mean Todd Gurley. How many touchdowns did he have last season? He had close to twenty. Yeah, I mean Is it was right? high. I can't remember the exact number. So but. even if you cut that in half, you know, and I don't even think that's realistic, like because who's getting all the goal line work in in uh, almost at St. Louis in Los Angeles for the Rams? Oh, it's Todd Gurley. It's Todd Gurley. So you know, if you even if you take away, you know, a lot of the rushing, you know, he's still going to score probably a dozen touchdowns easily. You know, it's a Sean McVay offense. It's a good offense. Um, so, I mean, where do you feel most comfortable taking? Where do you? Where do you? What's, what's the earliest do you feel comfortable taking Todd Gurley? Is he a first rounder for you? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, standard Lake for sure. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I would take him in the first round. I'm not saying he's not worthy of a first round selection. Um, there's a difference between somebody you should take in the first round. And somebody you can um, that should be drafted in the first round, if that makes sense. You know, there are plenty of players, I, th- in my opinion, that are first round caliber players that are going in the second round. But that doesn't mean I'm taking them in the first round. Yeah, I I, I see your point. I, he's a first rounder for me, and after the top five backs, you know how how high I am on running backs. There may be only one or two receivers I'm taking before him. I'm taking Gurley before I'm taking Julio and Beckham. Okay. All right. That's just how I view him. I think he's just got he's got the potential to win you a league, whereas I think Julio, he's going to be good for you, but I don't see the potential for him to win you a league. Well, there you have it. It sounds like Reiner is going to take um, Saquon Barkley for his keeper in our league, and then he's going to turn around and he's going to take Todd Gurley right after that. So, um, you know, if we see Todd Gurley that we saw at the beginning of last season, then – I think that uh, everybody in my league is in trouble. So, um, Go ahead and hand me the trophy. Sure thing. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about a player I love. Um, a player I love this year is Mike Evans. So Mike Evans is going pretty much at the end of the second round. Um, was that one of yours as well? That was one of my loves as well. Why don't you tell me? I talked about it the other day on my uh, on the last episode. So why don't you tell me what's your argument for Mike Evans? Mine has everything to do with the head coach. I think Bruce Arians has proven that he's a, I, to use the frame, air raid offense. And I, the Bucks, they don't have a good running game. Jameis Winston is on a contract year. They're going to chuck it. They got Deshaun Jackson back, which I love. I love that signing. Deshaun Jackson is back in Tampa? I'm pretty sure. I thought he was with Philadelphia. I'm per- oh, you're right. He is with Philadelphia. Okay. My mistake. Even so. They have um, – I like O.J. Howard. Mm-hmm. Who's the other receiver on the other side? Chris they- Godwin, who's getting a lot of buzz right now. See, yeah. a lot of people have been talking about Chris Godwin and how much – and they've been talking him up big time. Um, I don't feel like Mike Evans is getting enough love right now. Like, he – Well, the problem is is the Bucks are – and this could be a good thing for fantasy owners, but not for people who are Buck fans. The Bucks are seem to always be behind. So, Mac, they should be throwing – I do. I just. It, it all boils down to me, the coach. I think Bruce Arians is a mastermind offensively. I think Mike Evans is a top three to five talent receiver wise. I think, um, and I and I, I mean, he's got the big frame. Um, he he can outrun guys. I'm 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 really high on Mike Evans. Um, I don't know where I would draft him. You said he's going at the end of the second. I think he's going at the end of the second. I think he. Um, I think it was according to Fantasy Pros, he was like 19th or 20th overall. Um, man, if I got the second 
second overall pick and I turn around and get Mike Evans in the second round, I have no heartburn over that at all. Yeah, and I think Jameis Winston gets a lot of flack because of his past, and and granted so. uh, He throws a lot of interceptions, no doubt. But with Bruce Arians, uh, you know, at the helm, and like I said, contract year for Jameis. I'm not saying Jameis is going to have a good year. He's not a quarterback I'm drafting um, because there is a lot of bust potential with him. But I think he has an opportunity to, to have a good season, and I think Mike Evans will be the beneficiary of that. Yeah, I think Mike Evans is in for a a big year. Um, you know, really, I, I looked at this. You know, Deshaun Jackson um, is now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Adam Humphreys is now with the Tennessee Titans, actually. Um, 170 targets and 110 receptions between the two of those guys. And I'm going to, of course, do the stereotypical, well, where are those targets going to go? Um, but, yes, there's a lot of targets up for grabs. Like, if you um, – you know, I, I consider there to be like four relevant pass catchers in Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron Braid, and, of course, Mike Evans. And so, like – Well, and two of those are tight ends. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. And so, and I, I don't really know if I would consider Cameron Braid, you know, but just for like, you know, the, the you know just numbers sake. You He's know. a good bye week tight end. Sure, sure. If you divide those up, roughly – if you divide those up, that's um, – and you factor in Mike Evans and his pass – you know, or excuse me, his catch rate – then in theory, Mike Evans should be getting somewhere between 26, um, 26 and 40 more receptions next year. So, um, you know, I don't think that's without, you know, I don't think that's like crazy to think that that could happen. Um, well, you know, I this, think- what it reminds me of is remember when Mike Evans was the number one wide receiver in fantasy? Yes. The year that Vincent Jackson went down. This isn't exactly that situation. Um, because, you know, like we said, O.J. Howard and Chris Godwin, those guys aren't scrubs. But to your point, Bruce Arians, bad, bad defense, poor running game, talented pass catchers around him. I was going to say good division, not necessarily defensively. The Saints are a scoring team. That's usually going to be a shootout. Falcons, scoring team, shootout. Panthers, a little better defensively, but still not a great defensive team. I just think the teams in that division are more prone to score as well. I agree. So fantasy-wise, Mike Evans goes up, whereas maybe their team isn't that good, but the whole division's pretty good. So he's he's going to be the recipient of those, you know, high-scoring games. I think so too. Um, I mean, the Buccaneers they're going to be behind on a lot of games. I think um, I'd be shocked if they weren't. You know, like I said, bad defense. They're going to have to. They're going to get into a lot of shootouts. I think. You know, having to deal with the Saints, having to deal with the Panthers, having to deal with the Falcons. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Mike Evans is in for a big year, and Mike Evans is pretty safe when you really think about it. Like he's all he's had a one he's had one thousand receiving yards in every single NFL season he's had, even his rookie year, and even his down his quote unquote down years. He's always had a thousand receiving yards. What did he end up with last year? What was his receptions he, and yards? He finished as uh, he finished as. Um, tight end or sorry he finished as wide receiver nine um and i want to say he had somewhere between 1200 and 1300 did you feel like it was a quiet nine i mean it was it was a quiet nine um and i think that a lot of that had to do how bad their team was i think it had to do with how their bad their team was um it helped that he had some touchdowns he had i think he had eight touchdowns if i remember correctly um 
and yeah, I, I would say, you know, there was a lot of other pass catchers on the team too. And so, um, the big, the big storyline out of Tampa Bay last year was the whole Jameis Winston, Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. And so I feel like that kind of overshadowed how good of a season Mike Evans really did have. Um, so I'm all in on, on Mike Evans this year. I think that he's going to have a good year. Um, I think that, I mean, think about this. Would you take would you, Mike Evans in the middle of the second? I would, but it depends on who else is available. Agreed. Um, let's do a little name game. How about that? Would you take Mike Evans over some of the other receivers around this or Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, Antonio Brown's kind of down there right now. Even I think he would go before Mike Evans. Would you take him before those receivers, Juju, uh, Tyreek Hill? I would take him over Juju. I would take him over Antonio Brown even. Really? I would. There is way too much going on. There's a lot of drama with him. You're right. I think it's risky, the whole foot situation. Um, I don't think people understand how long it takes to build up those calluses on your feet. Like, those are essentially gone for him. And so, I don't – newsflash for everybody. If you're a receiver, you need your feet. Oh, yeah. You need them bad. So, I I don't know. I I think um, we'll probably have a better grasp of this here in a couple weeks. But – I, I I don't I don't know I think that um would you I, take him over Tyreek Hill? I don't think I would take him over Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill has too much big playability because of their offense too. I mean yeah. it's not going anywhere. It's a it, you know it's a good offense also. Um, I mean they're in some ways they're kind of like the Buccaneers, but they have a better offense and they're going to get ahead more often. Um, a better quarterback and a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yes, better quarterback. So which factors into receivers in my opinion more than what I think some people think. Absolutely, it does. A guy, you know, I think offenses like for the Patriots or the Saints, sometimes those guys are maybe undervalued. Well, look at some of the players last year that disappointed. Um, you know, David Johnson. Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, when I say disappointed, he was still a top 10 running back, um, but very, very poor quarterback play. So, like, he, he underwhelmed people. Um, some other Fournette. people. Yeah, Leonard Fournette is another one that comes to mind. Like, um, I think he's I – th- I still think he's a talented running back, but poor quarterback there, you know. So, I mean, that's – I mean, I think that's uh, – I don't think it's 100% applicable to every situation, but sometimes you have to avoid teams with good with bad quarterback play. So, um, I think that the one example – or the one exception for me and, you know, tying it back into Mike Evans is – I think Jameis Winston is going to be a much better quarterback this season. He's not going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick on his heels all the time. Like he, he is the guy. Like I, I don't think nobody else is taking taking Jameis Winston's job. You know, I think it's Blaine Gabbert is his backup. It's not going to be Blaine Gabbert. No. So it was the Fitz Magic show had its little run last season. It's going to be the Jameis Winston show. So. I'll talk a little bit more about Jameis Winston later, but I'm I'm high on Mike Evans. I think that he's um, – I would I don't have any heartburn overtaking him over Antonio Brown, over Juju Smith-Schuster. I think he's a safer pick than both those guys. I promise I'm not an AFC North hater. I'm not. I just uh, – you know, I think that Mike Evans is primed for a good year here. Give me a, give me a guy you hate that you're not very high on that maybe other, others are. A guy that I hate um, – the big one I really want to talk about is Damian Williams. 
So, granted, his stock has fallen a little bit um, in the recent weeks, um, but there was a point where he was going in, like, the third and fourth round. And I just thought, like, that was way, way, way too high for him to go. I think he's finally dropped down to the fifth round, but I'm still not in on Damian Williams. Um, This is kind of anecdotal, but I feel like Damian Williams is just kind of a guy. Do you share that same opinion? He's been in the league for, like, five years. Um, He's never had this season where he's just broken out. Like, he just – I think he got into a good offense, and now people are, like, all of a sudden wowed by him. I am – he's not on my hate list. The reason I like him is because of the reason you just said. He isn't a good offense. Whereas I think how crucial touchdowns are in fantasy, especially at the running back position, whereas, you know, especially in PPR leagues, that offense is going to score, and they're going to score a lot. And he's he's going to get a lot of, of red zone touches. Whereas I his usage may go down a little from, from last year. His fantasy numbers may go down. I still think he's going to get a lot of – red zone touches and touchdowns in general just because of their offense. Their offense is going to score. I agree. So why give me why are you lo- so low on him, I guess, or the hate I one, mean one name, Carlos Hyde. I personally think about it in these terms, okay? So before last year, what would would you have said who would you have said was a better running back? Carlos Hyde or Damian Williams? Carlos Hyde. Okay. But, so do you think that Carlos Hyde would have performed similarly if in the same role as Damian Williams last season? I could see that, but Carlos Hyde also hasn't done it, and Damian Williams has. Carlos Hyde also has a little bit bigger name because of – I think he played at Ohio State. So he had a bigger name coming out of college. So Probably drafted higher. Right. He's got that kind of pedigree. Uh, did he, is he coming off an injury last He's year? Not, no. Was it two years ago he was injured? Um, there was more, wh- he's experienced some injuries here and there. Right. Was he with the 49ers last year? Or who no. was he with last year? No, he. I think – well, this is the thing. I think that people are nervous about Carlos Hyde because he's, he's this is his, like, fourth or fifth team in the past, you know, two years or so. He was with the 49ers, drafted by the 49ers. Um, he was drafted by them back when they had Frank Gore near the end of his career. Um, he eventually signed with the Cleveland Browns was traded to the Jaguars, um, and then he just didn't really get much run with the Jaguars. Well, I think you're proving your point a little bit, though, on on Carlos Hyde. If he was as good as what people are saying, wouldn't they be trying to keep him? You know, I think he, I think he's better than what he gets credit for, though. You huh? know, he had some good years in, in, in uh, San Francisco, but let's be honest. Like, when he was in a con- contractor year with the 49ers – they weren't in a position to pay anybody. Like they were rebuilding. They're still rebuilding. So yeah, they weren't I'm in a position to pay a big, pay a, a running back. And and here's the thing. Carlos Hyde's not an Ezekiel Elliott. He's not an Ezekiel Elliott. He's not a Le'Veon Bell. He's not this guy that's gonna get a big contract like that. I'm not saying that. But I do think that he's more talented than Damian Williams. I, I if you had to okay, so this is what I think about. I think about let's just I think Damian Williams is going in the fifth round currently. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Damian Williams in the fifth round, or would you rather have Carlos Hyde in the thirteenth round? 
Because I, mean, I, I think you're going a lot off potential, and I guess that's what you're getting in the 13th round. Damian Williams in the fifth round, in my opinion, with that offense, is not a reach. I think that's a that would be a solid flex back, possibly an RB2, just because of his usage. I mean, dude, I mean, he was – the dude, he was electric. I mean, he was putting up a lot of numbers, especially fantasy-wise. He catches the ball out of the backfield. The Chiefs throw to their running backs a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I just think I, – I see your point on Carlos Hyde. I see your it, – it's a, it's a lot of potential – I've seen Damian Williams do it, and I've seen him do it in that offense. He's been in that offense. Andy Reid's going to give him the ball. Mahomes isn't going anywhere. they still got some studs on the outside where they can't load the box. I like Damian Williams. He's not on my love list, but he would be a worth a fifth-round pick for me. See, I think I'd feel more comfortable with another running back in the fifth round. I'd, I'd know, you know, or not know, but have more confidence in not having his job be usurped, you know. Um, I mean, Damian Williams, you know, he ex- he's experienced an injury already in training camp, um, hamstring injury. Um, and apparently Andy Reid expressed some frustration with that. Like he has not been – he was not happy about Damian Williams. Um, you know, he was not happy with Damian Williams about this hamstring issue. And so it's apparently been – it's apparently been uh, – Something that's been talked about in training camp that Andy Reid is is open to more of a committee approach with this Kansas City team next well, year. Well, I think that their their approach is going to be similar to like the Saints, you know, a team like that, or the Patriots, where their offense is is so good. Damian Williams isn't going to get every rushing touchdown. He's not going to get every receiving running back touchdown. Well, that's one. That's one. Well, that's one thing I'm going to disagree on. I think that it's going to be one guy because Andy Reid historically. It's always been one guy with Andy Reid. Like one guy has been has has gotten head and shoulders more care above like more carries than the other guy. I agree, and he's but and my argument is, if he has two guys, and according to you, two guys that are similar, if he picks Damien, then your Carlos Hyde pick is 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 terrible. And if I pick Damien in the fifth round and he goes Carlos Hyde, that's a terrible pick for me. I don't think that's terrible though. Get if you're getting to Carlos Hyde in the twelfth or thirteenth round. But if he but, like, but if he's think, not getting any touches. Yeah, but you're not spending anything on him. You gotta you gotta you, this is the thing. You gotta you gotta understand. You gotta like if, if somebody's stock is low, that's the time to buy. When somebody's stock is high, maybe that's not the time you want to buy, you know? For me, Damian Williams is going way too early. I don't so. I don't, I you know, I see your point. I I don't if I Carlos were to Hyde grab in the twelfth or thirteenth round, not a terrible pick there. But once again, proving your your point a little bit. If you're picking that late, okay, you you got a guy with a lot of potential, but he may never sniff the field. If 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 Andy Reid, let's say he goes Damian Williams and he sticks to his strong approach of just playing one back, Carlos Hyde may never get a sniff the field. See, I feel like this news out of Kansas City kind of indicates to me that. The door's open for Carlos Hyde. Like apparently, Carlos Hyde is kind of impressed in training camp when you know while Williams has been absent, and so the fact that you know that Andy Reid said you know hey I'm willing to go to a committee approach now I really feel like the door's open because now it's like okay this is actually 
this is actually an opportunity for Carlos Hyde. Like Carlos Hyde might be might have a chance to get all these all these touches now. So, um, you know, before I kind of felt like the door was was kind of shut. You know, Andy Reid kind of said something to the effect of, you know, oh, Damian Williams is the guy. But now it kind of seems like, well, now it seems like there might be a possibility that this could be a, uh, you know, you know, a little training camp battle. Damian Williams is a flex back that could win you a league, in my opinion. Is Carlos Hyde a 13th rounder that could win you a league, in your opinion? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I, I think both of our points are valid. You know, Damian Williams has done it. He's he's proven in that offense he can succeed. Carlos Hyde hasn't, but I, I probably agree with you that there's a little more potential there, but there's also more bust. But you're also picking him in eight later rounds, so. I think there's just I think there's just like no risk back there in the twelfth or thirteenth round taking him there. I mean he's going undrafted in some leagues. So I don't know. Yeah. I think um I mean I I'm gonna go back to the whole who do we think is a better player? For me, I think Carlos Hyde's a better player, you know. And I think this goes back to the whole recency thing. We can't we can't let recency bias affect everything. Because, like we gotta be kind of forward thinking. I and I think, you know, I'm of course contradicting myself a little bit because I'm I'm still talking about the past, but Damian Williams was in Miami for what four or five seasons, and like didn't do anything until just you know. Just Did he have an opportunity? I mean, he he's got a chance. And he was behind Lamar Miller, who, in my opinion, most, one was of the most frustrating. Mm-hmm. Runner. He's the one of the most frustrating fancy tailbacks ever, in my opinion. Right. Because his yeah. projections are always so high, and he underwhelms every season, in my opinion. That's I agree. another. That's another day. But let me go to one player I has a, is on my hate list. I'm going quarterback. Okay. I'm going Deshaun Watson. Really? Yes. You hate Deshaun Watson? I think he's being overdrafted. So you don't. You don't hate him. You just you hate him at his current ADP, though. Correct. Okay. Which is what what we're going off of. Right. Correct. Correct. Sorry, you just kind of took me by surprise. I didn't expect that, you to name him. Yeah, that. While I think he has some good weapons around him, that goes back to my Lamar Miller. I think he has some good targets, but um, Will Fuller can't stay healthy. Kiki Cootie can't stay healthy. While he's got a stud in Hopkins, I don't see Deshaun Watson as as second best quarterback off draft boards i most certainly understand your concern with like his receivers staying healthy i think people are drafting him with the assumption that everybody's going to at least start the season healthy and if they continue to be healthy then deshaun watson he's got a lot of weapons on his hands but i also look at his offensive line is terrible i think he was sacked more than any other quarterback last year um, I think there's a high risk for injury. He was injured in college. Um, I, he got injured. Um, was it his, his first year? He got injured. I think it was ACL. Um, so the offensive line worries me. His injury worries me. While I think he's a good quarterback, I don't think he's the number two overall quarterback. I just think there's guys that are better. I definitely see where you're coming from. I think that Deshaun Watson because of the reasons you just mentioned, um, there's a there's a wide range of outcomes for him. So you know, you know, with the injuries to his wide receivers, the injuries he's experienced in the past, 
Um, I think he's experienced two ACL surgeries. Is that right? So, um, you know, yes, there is a lot of risk involved with um, with with um, Deshaun Watson. Um, but I also feel like he could end up the, you know, he, he could finish the year as the I mean, QB2, QB3. Um, I mean, even QB1. I mean, you remember that first year? There were some games where he was just absolutely electric, you know. Um, so I feel like there's a wide range of outcomes for him, you know. I think there are plenty of ways that things could go wrong for Deshaun Watson. Um, but I think there's also ways that things could go right for him. So, um, you know, I think the thing that comes to mind for me when you evaluate this player is that he's a quarterback. And the, the quarterback position is just so deep. Um, I Either way, I don't know if I could see myself investing – an early draft pick into Sean Watson because of that reason. I agree. I just, I think there's like, would you pick Aaron Rodgers over to Sean? I think that Aaron Rodgers might be. Who has a higher ceiling and floor? Deshaun Watson. Both? I think Deshaun Watson has a higher, he probably has a higher ceiling and a higher floor. Um, well, let's see. You know, actually, I'm gonna take that back. I think that Deshaun Watson has a higher ceiling. He's probably got a higher. He's probably got a lower floor. Um, but it's tough to say because we, you know, I think that, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, he can put up points with his legs too. And so, I think I think this is this is what's tough about it. It's like everything that we've talked about has been pretty much based off of injury. So like just staying healthy. If the Texans, if you could guarantee right now that the that the Green Bay Packers and the Texans, the Houston Texans, are going to stay healthy, both their offenses, then I'm going to Sean Watson. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think – I think that's the big thing. I think that's the big question is you, just, you can't guarantee that. And, like, you know, I think it's most of the time safe to assume that players are going to stay healthy when you enter in a season. But we've seen this just too many times with the Texans, you know. Um, I don't know if it has to do with their field – you know, I know there have been complaints about that from the players in the past. Um, I don't know. I think the whole rushing aspect is overrated. I don't. I, don't, I just don't see. I, I mean, a lot of guys that that run in college, besides like Lamar Jackson, who they're building their whole offense around, they don't have a lot of success in the NFL rushing. I think the running aspect of a quarterback. For, for Deshaun is overrated, and that also puts up another injury risk, in my opinion. A guy that's already had two ACLs and a terrible offensive line. So, and I think that division's pretty good. The Jaguars' defense is pretty good. I think the Titans' defense is pretty good. The Colts' defense is getting better. I think the whole division is tough. They're not like we were talking about with the Falcons and Saints and Bucks and Panthers, where the games are shootouts. These games are a little bit more of a slugfest, and the Texans have a good defense too, which is a good thing for Deshaun, but I think those games are more high teens, low 20s, mid-20 games instead of the 30-point shootouts we see um, with the other division. See, I feel like their defense always underwhelms, so I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm with you on that one. Um, I don't know. I feel like the Texans oftentimes do find themselves in close games and <coughs> find themselves behind, um, and I think that's why DeAndre Hopkins – it's, it's still very, very fantasy relevant. But do you not think that hurts his fantasy output a little bit with how good that division is? I mean, we know the Jaguars' defense is good. I think the Titans' defense, That's true. That Titans defense is pretty good. 
defensive-minded head coach, and I think the Colts' defense is getting better. Yeah, you have a good point there. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, that's six games out of the year where, you know, you're, you're playing, like, pretty decent defenses. So, um, but I guess the thing with, with, with him, with Deshaun Watson, is, you know, there's, there's more than one route he can take to get fantasy points for you. So, I mean, he can, he can throw for touchdowns, he can run for touchdowns, he can just run for yards in general. Um, I mean, he's, he does have some talented pass catchers. The question for me, and I think it's a question for you also, is can they, stay, can they all stay healthy? I think that kind of proves my point a little bit is, yes, if they're healthy and you look at that offense, there's a ton of potential, but even when they're healthy, I think they're just a little inconsistent with Will Fuller and, and Kiki Kuti. They just seem inconsistent to me. Right, I agree. Even when they're healthy and in, they may win you a week, but they could also lose you a week. But well, I guess very... that's what you're getting in wide receivers that are drafted in rounds, probably somewhere between 6 and 10. Will Fuller, for sure, is very – I would consider him a very boomer bust play. So, um, you he's know, kind he's – He's kind of their deep threat. So yeah. I, I understand that, but – Very Deshaun Jackson-like. Correct. I think that, you know – as far well, you know, when, the, when we're talking about the first two or three, the first two or three quarterbacks off the board, um, I kind of what, what it reminds me of is the first two rounds of your draft. Um, you know, for me to take a quarterback early, I'm going to be very, very risk, risk averse, and so like I'm, I'm not trying to take anybody that's risky, um, which is why oftentimes I wait on quarterback, and I probably will, I will wait on quarterback this year too. Give me another guy that you hate. Talked about Deshaun. You talked about Damian Williams. What's another guy that is on your naughty list? A player that I hate this year at his current ADP is T.Y. Hilton. Um, the reason I hate T.Y. Hilton for a couple different reasons, but the um, the main reason for me is we've seen this before. His fantasy value is way too dependent, in my opinion, on Andrew Luck and his health. If Andrew Luck is not healthy, then T.Y. Hilton is going to have a very, very underwhelming season. Okay? So, despite, you know, not having Andrew Luck a couple seasons ago, um, if you remember, you know, Andrew Luck experienced a shoulder injury. He was out for the whole year. Um, we thought he was going to come back, and then he experienced a setback, and then he was, uh, you know, he was put on injured reserve for the remainder of the year. Um, so he was stuck with T.Y. Hilton was stuck with Jacoby Brissett. Um, you know, he was very, 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 probably the most inconsistent wide receiver season we've seen in a while. Um, there were a couple games where he had like 28 points, and then they'd come out the, the following week, and he'd put up a stinker. He'd have two points. He'd have like, you know, two catches for 20 yards or something. So, um, you know, we've already experienced, we've already like seen in training camp that um, Andrew Luck is dealing with some injuries. Um, you know, and it seems like, it sounds like these injuries have kind of mutated. So, um, if I'm, if I remember correctly, and, you, and, and um, correct me if I'm wrong here, it started out as like a calf injury, like a, a, it sounded muscular, or, you know, some sort of soft tissue injury, and then now all of a sudden it's a bone issue. Is that correct? That's what I've heard. I've heard all about the calf strain, muscle, and now it seems to be something deeper within the leg. Um, the Colts have, have, have been a little vague about it. 
Rightfully so, but um, if if Andrew Luck is healthy, is T. Y. Hilton on your on your list? He's not necessarily on my list, but um, I mean he he is, but he isn't. Okay, so he is because um, if something were to happen to Andrew Luck, then his fantasy value would go significantly down. Um, I mean, this is a guy you just don't know when to play him if Jacoby Brissett is on the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you look at T.Y. Hilton and you look at the players around him, um, like they're going around him, I I just, there's a lot of other players I'd rather have over T.Y. Hilton. The only positive I see with T.Y. Hilton, and even if Andrew Luck is hurt, they don't really have anybody else that's, Proven. I think I've got Devin Funchess, who's not bad, but he's not on T.Y. Hilton's level. And T.Y. Hilton, I think, gets a little bit of a bad name because he's a little bit in the Deshaun Jackson mode who we talked about earlier. He is. He's he is a, somewhat kind of, robust. He's, yeah, he's kind of a burner. Um, he'll catch a 60-yard touchdown, and that may be his only catch of the game. Um, so I, I see your point. If Andrew Luck's not healthy – I'm not drafting T.Y. Hilton. And unless I get him at a steal where maybe I roster him and don't play him early, and then if Andrew Luck happens to come back, uh, he's definitely in the lineup. I think he's a must if Andrew Luck's playing. Would you agree with that? I don't know if he is a must. Um, he's not somebody that's probably going to be on any of my teams this year um, just because I don't, I don't like – there's too many things that could go wrong that would, that would negatively impact T.Y. Hilton's fantasy value for me. So, obviously – you know, if, if 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 he gets hurt, then he's not going to be as he's not going to have as much fantasy value. But I mean, we've seen this already before. If Andrew Luck is not healthy, then T.Y. Hilton's fantasy value goes down significantly. So you're not so, even high on him if not high, but you're not even okay with him if if Andrew Luck's healthy. Not really. Not where he's going. Even um, with just the the receptions being. I mean, who are the guys that are going after him? If I remember correctly. I think like. Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper's going after him. Uh, Adam Thielen is going after him. You know, there's just, I mean, there's several wide receivers that are going after him that I'd much rather have. I think Mike Evans is going right before him. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I don't know. There's just too much, there's, there's too many good players around him for me to take a risk on T.Y. Hilton. And so, like you said, very Deshaun Jackson-like, or somewhat Deshaun Jackson-like. He just... He's a boomer bust play, um, you know, probably a little more consistent than than Deshaun Jackson or you know Tyrell Williams or some of those guys. But I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel good about T. Y. Hilton. A couple of receivers going around him. Keenan Allen's going right before. I'd rather have him. According to ADP, Amari Cooper's after. I'd rather have him. Stephon Diggs is after. Mm, it's close, but I'd probably rather have Stephon Diggs too. Julian Edelman. I'd rather have Julian Edelman. Kenny Galladay. Mm, and I'd probably go T.Y. Hilton there. Chris Godwin and Cooper Cup. Those are those are quite a bit below. But, yeah, yeah. But receiver-wise, those are kind of the comparison. Yeah. I I think if if Andrew Luck's healthy, he's 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 a top twelve receiver, ten receiver. Okay. I think he could be a. I think he's a receiver number two. That could really help you. Name game. Keenan Allen or T.Y. Hilton? Healthy Andrew Luck or no? 
that's the thing. That's the where's, where's the fun in that? You don't know. Keenan Allen, then. Okay. But Keenan Allen disappointed a little last year. He did. Absolutely. Touchdown rate was, was down. It was, yeah. I think that... Um, of course, it depends on... If Melvin Gordon doesn't play, then his... I think you could see he, more. Yeah, he goes up. Yeah, I think he sees the same amount of passes, probably. Where, is, where, where does Austin Eckler move if, if if Melvin Gordon decides to hold this out? Um, I don't. I would not expect similar production from Austin Eckler because I think we've seen you know times where Melvin Gordon has been out. Um, it was a pretty even split between Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. Um, so I think it, I think they would take a committee approach. You know, you probably you're gonna see Austin Eckler in obvious passing down uh, situations, and then you're gonna see probably Justin Jackson on the goal line. That's what I imagine. Austin Eckler is probably a lot more valuable in the PPR format. Yeah, if if I were to pick one of the two, it would be Austin Eckler for me. I think Austin Eckler has the better chance to to see some you know see receptions, and you know he's a little more dynamic. I think he's got a better chance to get in the end zone, even even though uh, Justin Jackson is probably gonna get the majority of the goal line work. I'm going to give you one more guy I hate. Okay. Nick Chubb. Really? Yes. Okay. And I mean, mainly, I kind of see it, but, but It's mainly explain. because of who's behind him. Who, who's, uh, who's, who's coming. Okay. Kareem Hunt, I think is... And I like Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb has an opportunity to be a, a good fantasy running back. I think the offense is going to be a little bit more air raid. I think the division they play in is pretty good. Ravens defense is normally pretty good. Steelers are not. They're going to be competitive, right? And, and the Bengals are not very good, but the Ravens defense is always good. Steelers are always very competitive. But I think Nick Chubb has an opportunity to be a good tailback. I'm just worried about who's coming behind him. And if you're spending a first three to four round on Nick Chubb, you're going to be severely disappointed, I think, when Kareem Hunt comes back. There is certainly risk involved with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt right behind him. But, you know, he's he's obviously the next guy on the death chart. Um, not right now, because he's suspended. But um, I think that's the thing, though. I think that's the only reason why I'm not that concerned about Kareem Hunt is because Kareem Hunt's not joining the team until, I think it's week 11 or week 10. It's, it's, it's really late in the season. And so, this is what I foresee for the Browns. I think the Browns are going to win this division. I'd be very, very shocked if they did not. Um, we're aware of what the Bengals are. The Bengals are going to be horrible. So you're on the Browns' hot train. Choo-choo. Yeah. I... They're, they're coming, buddy. You can get off the rails or stay on them. Either can way, make, the, the train's I, coming. Can I, make a, I don't know if it's a bold prediction, but according to you, I don't think the Browns make the playoffs. Man, I would be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. I would not be shocked. I think first-time head coach. Granted, he was offensive coordinator. Awesome, great for for Baker. I I just I don't know if they're ready to take the next step yet. They're still young. Baker Mayfield, while put up some good numbers, there still will make some mistakes. He's risky. He's got a little bit of Brett Favre mentality. He'll throw some picks. I, I think Odell Beckham is going to cause some drama, and like he always does. While I've heard good reviews about him, I'm, I'm still not sold that he's going to be the stud that they need. 
Jarvis Landry's solid. I think Joku's overrated. And and I think while like I said, I think Nick Chubb's solid. I just I don't know if they're quite ready to overtake the Steelers in that division. I still think the Steelers have a lot of a lot of potential. See, I think the Browns I even even with the even with the Ravens in that division, I don't know if I see anybody stopping the Browns in their offense. I think they're that good. You gotta think they have a stud wide receiver. I mean maybe arguably the best receiver in the league in Hodo Beckham Jr. I don't think that's a stretch. That's a He's stretch. a generational talent. That's a stretch in my opinion. It might be a stretch, but I like I mean, some of the things that he does, I mean, he's a generational talent. You, we can agree on that, right? He's a generational he's talent. He's very good, but he's also had trouble staying healthy. He's also is surrounded with drama. Baker Mayfield's drama. Um, See, I don't think he's as dramatic as people make him out to be. I think everybody, you know... He got arrested in college and tried to run from the cops. I think we all make mistakes. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Have you heard anything about him recently, though? Knock on wood. I mean, no, come I on. Mean, but I just don't know if they're ready to live up to the hype. I guess is where I'm at. The Browns have been so bad for so long. Granted, they won what seven games last year. If you take out, listen to this. If you take out all the injuries that they experienced, you know that, that those players have experienced in the past, and you just think of, and you talk about and you take away all the drama. Think about it in terms of this. Think about it in terms of what they have. Okay, so they have a good young quarterback, who. I mean, from what I can see, he can freaking sling it. He can sling it, and then and he's not afraid to throw it. So I mean, that's it's kind of similar to Patrick Mahomes. Like he's gonna make those. He's gonna just like chuck it up there sometimes because he knows he can do it. Um, by the way, Baker beat Patrick Mahomes in college. Just saying, um, neither here nor there. But no, anyways, not a good comparison. So you got Odell Beckham Jr. You got a stud wide receiver. You have Jarvis Landry, who's also a good receiver. It's good about the underneath stuff. You've got a good running back. You have a good tight end. Okay, maybe not like maybe overwhelmed, maybe maybe overrated, but he's still good. At t- he's still a good tight end. Antonio Callaway is suspended, but he's a guy that can stretch the field a little bit. I think this is going to be a good offense, and I think it's going to be tough for teams to stop them. I agree that potential-wise, the offense is going to be pretty good. I think there's a lot of talent. I'm more interested, to, I guess, to see what the rest of the division does, maybe around the Browns. Um, the Steelers are in a little bit of a change mode. I still think the Steelers are going to be good just because Mike Tomlin's always going to have them prepared. I know they, they faltered a little at the end of the last year, but the Steelers are, gonna, the, Steelers are the Steelers. They've still got Big Ben. Juju's a, a stud receiver. Connor's a stud running back. I think Vance McDonald's a, a really good tight end. Um, I am just, I think I'm more, maybe maybe I'm more interested to see what the division does. With the Ravens, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Because I, how, I, how often are the Browns going to get on the field against the Ravens? Because they just run, 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 and control the clock. And, right. You know, if the Browns aren't scoring every possession, that Ravens team could be, you know, kind of, I'm really interested in the Ravens, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I see I see where you're going with that. Yeah, I think the Ravens, um, I think a lot of it is going to be dependent upon what Lamar Jackson, like if he can take a step forward as a passer this year. Um, 
because you know honestly it didn't take long for the Chargers to figure it out. You know the they, the Ravens embarrassed the Chargers, um, and I think it was like the week, in week sixteen of the regular season last year, and then they've met them in the playoffs, and they had a perfect game script to completely take Lamar Jackson out of the equation, um, and I think Lamar Jackson had three decent receivers that he could throw to, but it didn't matter. So I think that's a good and a bad thing. The good is they've had all off season to literally designed the whole offense around Lamar Jackson. Whereas last year, it was more of a package scheme because Flacco was the starter going into the year. The bad thing is, you're right, defenses have had all offseason to prepare. So I think that's kind of why they're intriguing to me because they've had all offseason to kind of draw some new things up. Um, but I'll be it's very hard to just be a, a run-first team. I'm very curious to see what happens with that team, but... I have to think that the Browns are pretty... I, I feel like they win this division. Um, I think... I, I'm on the hype train. I think that they got it. Um, I think the, the acquisition of Odell Beckham, new coaching staff... Heck, I feel like they probably they probably had a chance to win the division last year had they not had Hugh Jackson there at the helm. So, I don't know. Um, I'm interested to see what happens. I got one more love sure. um, for us. Um a player that I love this year is Chris Carson. Um, and I don't know why Chris Carson isn't getting more love. He finished as the RB12 last year. Um, and that's not on a points-per-game basis either. Chris Carson actually missed some time during you know, during last season due to some injury. Um, but, you know, you know, he still finished as RB12, you know, despite missing some games. Um, the Seahawks run a ton um, but people are just still down on Chris Carson. He's going in the fifth round. What say you about that? The Seahawks are tough to figure out. They did they did go to a heavy, heavy run offense last year. Yeah, they're almost I mean, like they the Ravens were, they were, where they, they, they were just try to... They were almost like second ten, they were still running. Mm-hmm. Um, Russell Wilson scares me a little bit with Carson because he's still some rushing touchdowns. Um, but he does it. He is able to extend some drives for him. I don't know. I don't. I. I. I guess I'm up in the air on Chris Carson. I think the potential's there. Um, but but that offense is also not very good. Um, they they don't really have any receivers that are trustworthy. They have guys that you may pick up on a bye week. So the offense worries me. And I. I mean I, I like I actually. I'm just. I guess I'm up in the air on him. What it comes down to for me is just volume. I mean, Chris Carson is just a volume play. He's not going to wow you, but the Seahawks just run a ton. They just run so much, you know. And like, you look at their team now. Um, who was the second running back for the Seahawks last year? Um, did they rotate a little bit? It was the majority of the time. It was Mike Davis. That's right. And guess where Mike Davis is now. Not with the Seahawks. He's not with the Seahawks. Now he's a Chicago Bear. So who's the Seahawks backup this year? Do you know who that is? Well, I'm getting to that, actually. So it's funny you ask. Mike Davis accounted for 146 touches in this backfield last season. Okay, so How many touches did um, Carson have? Uh, I don't have that stat on hand. but I was curious as to how close was that to Mike Davis. I mean, he had a lot. Um, he, he he outweighed Mike Davis 
and I don't think it was all that close either. So, I mean, he got a lot of touches. So, my point is, you know, where are those touches going to go? Rashad Penny's probably going to get some of those touches, but even if he does, it's still it's still possible that Chris Carson can finish as an R, as RB12, RB, RB15 on the season next year, and you're taking him into the fifth round. I don't know. I think he's just an absolute steal. Um, I think a lot of people are nervous about Chris Carson because Rashad Penny was a first-round draft pick. You know, he's you know he's 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 an athletic guy, but I just don't think. Do you see Rashad Penny taking this job? I don't see him taking it, but I could see him stealing some goal line touches. Goal line specifically? Well, I mean, he'll get other carries. Just okay. because of how much they run. Carson's not going to get 35 carries. I think it would be silly to me that Rashad Penny wouldn't get some touches in this backfield, but I just don't think that they really like Chris Carson in Seattle. I think that I think that Chris Carson's going to be the guy this year again, and um, I just don't see, you know, even if even if Rashad Penny starts getting all this run, the Seahawks still run a ton. I think there's still going to be Chris, plenty of work for Chris Carson. You think there's any possibility that Chris Carson – Barring injury, finishes outside the top 20? No, 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 no. I, I mean, if he finished 12 last year, I don't see their offensive scheme changing much. They're still going to run the football. Um, does he finish at 12? I think that's a pretty good pretty good barometer for him. I think that's a good good landing spot for him. I could see him in it at 15. I could see him in it up maybe cracking the top 10 with, with a couple extra goal line carries. You know how close those running backs are, especially with that. Um, but I think anywhere between nine and fifteen is a is a good range for him. I think so too. Um, I really like Chris Carson in this year. I'm all in on him. Um, I'm 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 probably pulling the trigger on him in the fifth round, maybe in the fourth round, even depending on who's there still. So. Well, I um, think he's just one of those guys that he's not going to flash you. He's not going to break a, a sixty yard run. Right. Nothing but wows I, you about his but game. He, but he falls forward. You know, he's, yeah. he's he's three to four yards of carry. You look up at the end of the game, he's got 20 carries for 100 yards. Well, they've actually been talking out of training camp that they're trying to get him more involved in the passing game now, too. That would be that would be a good thing if, if, if the Seahawks decide to throw the ball. Yeah, so but that's the thing. The Seahawks hardly ever throw the ball. But I guess maybe now without Doug Baldwin, maybe they're thinking that they're going to have to, I don't know, maybe they're going to have to try to uh, work up some plays for Chris Carson you know, to catch the balls out of the backfield, too. One more love for me. Sure. I'm going a little off the, the radar at the tight end position. It's not necessarily a guy that, that's ranked low, but I think he has an opportunity to finish maybe behind Travis Kelsey. O.J. Howard. I love me some O.J. Howard this year. I love me some O.J. Howard. And a lot of it ties back to what we talked about with Mike Evans. They don't have a running game. We talked about Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin. Yeah, Cameron Brake may steal a little bit, but O.J. Howard, third year in the league, had some monster weeks last year. That he did. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston likes him. He's a big target. He can run. I think they're going to flex him out a little bit, put him in the slot, maybe even flex him out at the receiver spot. And I could see O.J. Howard ending up as tight end number two this year behind Travis Kelsey. I think that's certainly within the realm of possibility. I could totally see it happening. Um, me personally, I'm not going to spend a lot of draft capital on the top, the big three, you know, what, who we consider Kelsey, Ertz, and Kittle. Um, 
you know, I feel like that's just a little too rich for my blood. I'd much rather wait till the later rounds, grab a guy like O.J. Howard or Hunter Henry. Um, Can I tell you that my my draft strategy has changed a little on tight ends? Do tell. Last last year, I took Travis Kelsey in the third round. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it was just a monster year for him. A year that, I mean, I never had to worry about the tight end position. So my strategy this year is I may reach for one of those top three guys a little bit more, or even maybe an O.J. Howard than I would have in the past, just because of what Kelsey did for me last year. What I mean, I just think a tight end position that could give you four points, but a guy like Kelsey gives you 12 to 15 every week. It could be a huge Possibly difference maker. 20 to 25, I mean, if he mm-hmm. catches a couple touchdowns. It's just a position that I think I'm more common to, to reach for now. I'm taking a little bit different approach than you. I think there's some good tight ends later that you could get. But if you can get a top three guy, top four guy, O.J. Howard, I'm, I'm kind of all in on that. Yeah, I kind of like attacking that like middle, you know, that second tier of tight ends because I feel like those guys have the ability to be a top three tight end potentially, you know, like O.J. Howard and um, Hunter Henry and – Who's the tight end out of New York? I'm trying to remember. Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram. Um, I think those guys have the potential to finish top three. And if I can get them in the fifth or sixth round, I'd rather do that than spend a draft pick in the third round. I don't like Evan round. Ingram. I'm not necessarily saying I'm a big fan. I think that, you know, I don't like that Eli is his quarterback. But, you know, he's going to get a lot of volume, especially with the, the pass catcher situation in New York. I believe Sterling Shepard is... He's got an injury. Um, I don't know the specifics on that one, if I'm being honest. Golden Tate is suspended, although Beckham Jr. is obviously gone. Um, So the pass catchers in New York are limited right now. I see your point of volume-wise, but once again, I just go back to to playing in a good offense. And I know George Kittle kind of went against that last year. He had a monster year with the 49ers. That's kind of why another reason why I'm a little higher on tight ends. He wasn't a bad offense, and he had a good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I don't trust the Giants more than like the 49ers. I, with George Kittle, I just don't trust the Giants. Not that I trust the 49ers, but there's just, there's a lot of drama in New York, and they, I got, agree. A, they got a quarterback, backup quarterback that's a first round pick. That did you see where the owner said that he'd be okay if he didn't play a down all year? Really? Yeah. Huh. He said he'd be okay if you know Eli played all year man that is uh that was very very concerning if i was if i would be if i was a giants fan i would be very very concerned i uh that that doesn't make any sense to me i feel like daniel jones should be we've got to see daniel jones this year right we have to i mean if the giants start out two and six two and seven i mean i i i like eli as far as like a guy, I like Eli as a player as well, but he's he just doesn't have it anymore, and and everybody knows it. But they're going to try to groom this guy. And granted, I think it would be good for Daniel Jones to sit out all year. Do you? I do. Okay. Take the Aaron Rodgers approach and sit out a year. Groom him, learn the scheme, learn the NFL defenses, grow with the offense. Not get put into a terrible team who's two and six, two and seven in a pretty good division, and he just gets a, gets beat up on. 
I like the idea. I, I don't mind the owner saying that. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen. Um, you know, at some point, let's see what you got. Let's see what you got in Daniel Jones, you know? So, but um, back to the tight end, you know, argument. Out of those three that I mentioned, Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, and Hunter Henry, um, Evan Ingram is definitely the one I, I prefer the least out of those three. I feel like they are, they kind of make up that, that second tier of tight ends. I would prefer the other two, O.J. Howard and, and, um, and Hunter Henry over, over him, for sure. Ertz or Kittle, who are you taking? I think that I'm taking Kittle. I think that there's too many mouths to feed in Philadelphia. The dude had like 100 and something receptions last year. Man. Yeah, I don't think that's happening again this year. Yeah. I'd be shocked if that happened again. But it's so, a good offense. I mean, they're going to... It is a good offense. So there's going to be scoring opportunities, but, you know, they have... <sighs> and Carson Wentz loves him some arts. He does. That is correct. Um... I just feel like there are just so many good pass catchers in this offense between Alshon Jeffrey, um, Alshon Jeffrey, you still Deshaun got Jackson's Nelson, back. Deshaun Jackson is back, Nelson Aguilar is still there. Um, the backup tight end. Um, Dallas Goddard, Goddard, yep, he's there. And I think the running game is going to be better too. I think, you know, they're going to have, um, I mean, they're going to have Miles Sanders, they're going to have, I forgot his name, out of uh, Chicago, Howard. Jordan, Howard. Jordan Howard is still there. Or he's he is there rather. Whatever happened to the guy, the running back that played for the Dolphins? Jay Ajayi. Yeah, I believe he's still with the Eagles. But talk about a, a, a one-hit wonder. I know, right? Yeah, it's a lot of potential in that offense, though. He, um, man, he, yeah. If Jay Ajayi was, you know what? I'm actually looking it up right now. I'm very, very curious. Last thing I want to talk about the the, the number one overall pick. How high are you on Kyler Murray? I'm pretty high on Kyler Murray. I think he completely changes that that team, honestly. I think, you know, the fact that they drafted Kyler Murray, then they drafted, then they added three receivers during the offseason. Um, I think what they're going to do, I think they've, they've, they pretty much tipped their hand. They've already let everybody know what they're going to do. They're going to spread the ball out, or spread the defense out, rather. Um, so they're going to give plenty of room for DJ to run. They're going to have plenty of room for Kyler Murray to run. I think they're going to air it out a little bit and just spread the defense out. And so, the only thing that worries me about him is while they did draft three receivers, none of them were proven stud receivers in college. Yeah, you got Larry Fitzgerald. I understand. Dude, he's, he's on the very, very tail end of his career. Right. David right. Johnson's a great weapon. I just worry about... Can he hold up in the NFL? Kyler Murray? Yeah. I think he can. Um, I think that he, I don't know, there are some. His legs were such a weapon in college. Mm -hmm. And while they are spreading them out, NFL is a different game. Everybody can run. We've seen some players come into the NFL and, you know, and they've had high hopes for them, whether it be Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. You know, they've been they've taken, like, very, very early, you know, um, in the draft. I think Kyler Murray's different. Um, I feel like he's just so athletic. I mean, he. I mean, I think there's gonna be some games where he just keeps them in the game because he just uses his legs to extend plays. So. Um, I'm nervous about him. I think he's a better pass 
I think he's a better passer than he gets credit for, too. I'm, I would agree with that, but that goes back to my point of pass catchers for that. How many good... I mean... They have Larry Fitzgerald. I think Christian Kirk is one of those that, you know, he probably... He may thrive in this system. He's he better may, than I think people give him credit for, also. Um, you but know. I just don't see the card. Do you see the Cardinals taking a big leap in the win column? I don't. I don't. No. I mean, that division... Still think the Seahawks are going to be pretty good. The Rams are. I think the Rams win the division, and then I think the. The 49ers, 49ers are going to play some people tough. They're going to. They're going to be better. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo's back. They've got a solid offense. Yeah. They're going to play some people tough. I think. So, um, no, I. The Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals are not going to be. They're not going to have a winning record. I would be shocked if they did. Um, but I think that they are going to, be better than people think. So and I think, I think. Improving their quarterback situation is gonna is gonna help a lot. I agree. All right, well that's all we got time for tonight. We appreciate you guys listening in. We will be back next week, more than likely, with some more uh, fantasy advice, some more fantasy content, and uh, you know we'll probably be talking about some preseason games that are going on. Maybe give you guys some more love hate. Um, we would love to talk a little bit more about strategies and whatnot to get you guys a little more prepared for your upcoming drafts. Um, We wish you guys the best of luck if you're drafting this weekend. And uh, I guess we will catch you guys next time. What's your fantasy? Fantasy rankings. Fantasy projections. Fantasy news. Fantasy advice. All for your fantasy team. Fantasy football. This fantasy football podcast is recorded and produced by your fantasy expert, Josh Anderson. <laughs>